0: This is the Flying Field Podcast. The Flying Field Podcast is a service of rcplaneviews.com and the Flying Field Block. This is Episode 121, Lights, Camera, Action! This episode was produced the week of July 28, 2013. Hello, modelers, and welcome to this edition of the Flying Field Podcast. It's no surprise that it's hot in Arizona during the summer. July brings what locals call monsoon season, where moist air comes up from the southwest and adds humidity to the already hot temperatures. Now, this isn't the kind of humidity those of you in the deep south routinely deal with, I know, but For us desert rats, it's a bit thick. It also results in thunderstorms that most of the time result in just wind and lightning. It's not unusual to see shafts of rain below big cumulonimbus clouds where the shaft doesn't reach the ground. I think the weather folks call it Virga. The air is dry enough, yes, even with the added humidity, for the rain to evaporate before it hits the ground. Oh and I can't forget the big dust storms either. Well, enough whining. My July flying has been during the early morning hours when the temps are generally cooler and the winds are low. Sunrise is a nice time of the day in any case, and being out at the flying field just makes it better. If you follow my written entries at the Flying Field blog at www.flyingfieldblog.rcplaneviews.com You'll know that I've been enjoying two new Dynam models that have found a home in my hangar. They are the Corsair and the Tempest. The Tempest is the newest edition and is a pretty cool looking British warbird from the end of World War II. The Tempest was a derivative of the Hawker Typhoon with a modified wing and all around better performance. I added a build log to my YouTube channel that you can find if you search on either Tempest build log or my name, Jim Mohan. I also shot a video of the Tempest for my series of flying videos on YouTube, which brings us to the subject of this podcast, shooting video. Now you might say, hey, this is an RC podcast, not a video podcast, and you'd be right. On the other hand, if you've spent any time at all on message forums on either RC Groups or RC Universe, not to mention YouTube itself, you'll know that user videos are plentiful. I've discussed this before on the Flying Field Podcast, but I've come across a couple of things since the last time and thought you might be interested in some of the things I've discovered. Let's get started. One of the most important things that has happened over the past 18 months or so is the explosion of new camera options. Even small point-and-shoot cameras have video modes. Most of the time, those small cameras are not going to produce good video of anything but close-ups of the inside of a model or the first part of a takeoff roll. however. In the declining popularity category seem to be cameras like my Sony Handycam. The reason is not the ease of use or capability of these little handheld cameras, rather it's the growth of the Digital Single Lens Reflex or DSLR cameras that include powerful video modes. With these cameras you're able to use the wide variety of lenses that are available and have only one camera strung around your neck. With the price of SD cards plummeting, you can easily stash multiple gigabytes of storage in your pocket for a very reasonable price. Entry-level DSLRs like my Nikon D3200 come equipped with built-in microphones and the ability to mount external shotgun style mics for both solid video and audio performance. My most recent video escapade pointed out a consideration that I hadn't run into before. As a result, it also caused me to add a couple of tools to my camera bag. Since I usually shoot the video myself, I have a fellow club member who I use to fly the model. We've worked together on several projects, and he understands what I want in terms of maneuvering and is conscious of the need to keep the model reasonably close. We do a short pre-brief of what the flight plan will be and what shots I'm hoping to get. That is one of the first lessons I'd like to recommend to you. It is much easier to follow the flight through either the viewfinder or the small LCD panel on the camera if you know what to expect in terms of the flow of the flight. When using a camera such as the Handycam or similar models from Canon or JVC a screen hood is a necessary accessory. These little guys are available from Amazon.com and are simply a little black box with open ends that slip onto the screen. By keeping the screen out of the sunshine, you're much more likely to keep the model in sight during the flight. Even the reflection off a colorful shirt can overwhelm the LCD screen on a bright day, resulting in shots of lots of sky but no airplane. Even early in the morning, often referred to as the golden hours by photographers, glare can make keeping your plane in sight nearly impossible. The consideration that I referred to above has to do with audio however. My Handycam has a good mic. It picks up sound in a 360 degree pattern. That means I get as much audio from what is behind me as I do what's in front. This hasn't been much of a problem before as there have been few people at the field in the early morning and those who have been there are usually pretty quiet. Especially when they know someone, like me, is shooting video. This proved not to be the case with the Tempest video, where one talkative club member started a phone call in speakerphone mode on his cell phone, just as the plane started its takeoff roll. The video was 5 minutes and 18 seconds, and he was talking throughout. I think I was able to snatch about 20 seconds of usable audio from the entire flight. After a 4 minute phone call, who do you call at 6.30 in the morning anyway? He then decided to shout questions at me about what kind of plane it was, and so on. I tried to be polite, so I didn't tell him to shut up, but holy cow, I just couldn't believe it. So, lesson number two. Before you walk out to shoot, ask folks to keep it down. Depending on the group, that might just invite more shouted comments, so that leads to lesson number three. Have the right equipment. In this case, I ordered one of those U-shaped camera supports from Amazon.com that have a hot shoe sleeve on the top and a mounting wheel to secure your camera using the socket you use to mount it to a tripod on the base. This handle also allows me to point the camera screen upwards and hold the camera with my arm down at my side to get low angle shots without either kneeling or sitting on the ground. This is also handy in following the model around at ground level while taxiing out and so on. The other thing it allows is adding a shotgun mic to help solve the noisy spectator problem. Again, Amazon proved the right choice for a shotgun mic. These are the mics that you see that are long and narrow and usually have a wind sleeve on them. Since my goal is gaining some directional coverage to my mic to block out Mr. Talkative, I'm not too worried about the overall quality of the sound of my model zooming by. I went with a relatively inexpensive model to give it a shot. The mic kit came with a mic, two mic attachments, one for a mic stand and one for a camera mount, the wind sleeve and an extra long mic cord. If you've watched video production scenes you're used to seeing shotgun mics on poles held above the actors. That's why the kit came with the two mic attachments and a long cord. Since I didn't need the long cord, I ordered a short one to reach the short distance from the top of the camera support to the camera. I also used a converter from Radio Shack to change the mono signal from the mic to a stereo input to the camera. Now it's not really stereo but the audio is picked up by both channels in the camera. The goal for this setup is to target my sound source while adding some handling stability for the camera to help avoid some of the jitters that sometimes creep in when moving the camera. Shotgun mics are also a good choice for your DSLR camera. Not only will you be able to target your sound source, but it is very likely that the mic will exceed the quality of the small mic mounted inside your camera. With your DSLR having a hot shoe mount, unlike my Handycam, You may not even need or want to bother with the U-shaped support, though it will still provide you with easier low-angle shots and perhaps some better stability. One of the other popular aspects of video is airborne video. I got one of the early models of the Flycam 1 when they first came out several years ago and had some fun shooting airborne videos. One of the popular devices today with those flying lightweight models is the keychain or key fob camera. These little guys look just like your car's lock button that you keep in your pocket. They have two buttons on the top. You'll sometimes see these advertised as spy cameras as you can record without anyone realizing you're doing so. With that in mind however, make sure you understand your state's wiretapping laws Such recordings are sometimes illegal if all parties don't know they're being recorded. There are a couple of versions of these cameras out on the market. Older versions are really cheap but are limited in terms of video quality and the type of file output. Make sure you spend some time on the appropriate airborne video threads on RC Groups or RC Universe to ensure that you understand what you're getting. Once you have yours let the fun begin. The cameras are easily mounted to the top, wingtip, horizontal stabilizer, and even the belly of your model. A small square of velcro is all it takes. Turn it on and take off. The videos are then downloaded to your computer where you can blend them with your ground-based video using simple cut edits or picture-in-picture techniques depending on your editing software and personal creativity. Unless you're doing a couple of seconds of how something works or isn't working to include in a post to a message thread, it's probably worth spending a few minutes doing some post-production work with your video. Even if you are not doing any special effects such as picture-in-picture with that great airborne video you shot, having a title introducing your video and cutting out unnecessary footage is worthwhile for the viewers. Even the free editors available from Apple and Microsoft make these tasks simple and easy. Multiple seconds of a blank sky while the photographer searches for the model or shots of just a dot in the sky are a waste for your viewer. Two or three minutes from a six minute flight is a great return on your video shot to used ratio. Frequently, you can edit shots from several flights together to make a great video displaying either your models or your own flying skills. Then what? YouTube. You can sign up for a free account and upload your masterpiece to share with others. It's a great way to easily link your video from forum posts or your personal web page or blog. Just remember that you need to have the rights to that cool background music you're using or you're likely violating someone's copyright, which could get your video removed or even your account being canceled. Well, that brings us to the close of another Flying Field podcast. Links to the products mentioned in this episode can be found in the show notes at www.flyingfieldblog.rcplaneviews.com. Click on the podcast category on the right side of the page. This was episode... 121. Until next time, happy modeling and fly safe.